Welcome to Risk Roundup. Today, healthcare is facing massive complex challenges. While across nations over the years, there have been many talks and trials to fix the broken healthcare system, to make it more accessible, affordable, and effective, more the decision makers have tried, more it has got messier. However, it seems there is a hope now, and the hope comes from technology. To begin with, technology-driven big data revolution is already underway in healthcare. At the same time, there is also another silent revolution brewing in healthcare industry in the form of artificial intelligence. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. The imminent transformation driven by the rise of technology software, mobility, and artificial intelligence is poised to not only allow the healthcare industry to digitize many of the pen and paper-based operations and processes that currently slow down the service delivery and makes it costly and ineffective, but it also allows people to live longer and better lives. From medicine to healthcare and wellness to lifestyle management, the transformative impact of artificial intelligence alone presents the healthcare ecosystem opportunities across a diverse set of administrative, diagnostic, therapeutic, and clinical healthcare functions to help deliver affordable, accessible, reliable, transparent, and effective medicine and healthcare all across nations. To discuss the broader applications of artificial intelligence for healthcare automation further, I'm delighted to welcome Sean Lane to Risk Roundup. Sean is the CEO of CrossChecks and is based in the United States. Welcome, Sean. We are honored to have you on Risk Roundup. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. It's good to be here. Wonderful, Sean. So what is the primary aim of artificial intelligence in healthcare? What problems are we trying to solve? No, that's a good question. I think there's a lot of work being, do being done across the entire spectrum. Uh, when you look and think about machine intelligence, there's really a diverse set. So you have kind of on the right end of the spectrum, deep learning, genetic algorithms, very sophisticated, unsupervised learning techniques. On the left end of the spectrum, uh, you have your kind of supervised learning, machine learning, um, some of the, the more uh, common and mostly well-known um, machine learning kind of spaces. Now, there's a lot of different definitions of what artificial intelligence is that exists in the market. Myself, I happen to be a what I call a Turing purist, so I believe that artificial intelligence is uh, a technology that is difficult to resemble from a human, and that's that's kind of what I follow in my design and creation of artificial intelligence products. But on the other end of the spectrum, you have people that are more focused on kind of giving superhuman qualities and doing things that humans can't do or could never do. I think the right answer is probably the marriage of both. So, in talking uh, about healthcare and where 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 you see things today, there's a lot of work being done in computer vision. So, computer vision. You know, the ability for a machine to read and understand something that it looks at uh, has been around for a long time. I mean, from OCR to um, you know recognizing images in close closed circuit TV, um, those are all using a thing called convolutional neural nets. Uh, convolutional neural neural nets is how you train these systems, and they have built systems now in healthcare to look at radiology, for example, um, different imagery to be able to pick out um, you know a particular thing of interest in a person's lungs. Uh, also looking at brain scans, MRIs, looking for tumors, looking for things that uh, typically maybe a human would miss or not be able to find. Uh, but even more so, it just helps the human focus on different things, like developing new concepts, drugs, 
developing new treatments and therapies instead of just reading images all day long. That's on one side. Now, the other part of healthcare that's very important is the administrative side. So about 40% of the cost of healthcare is administrative. And there's a lot of people, a lot of humans doing things that they shouldn't because when healthcare was, when healthcare technology was built, it was built in silos. It was built for an intranet, right? So it was built for capability inside one hospital and not beyond or not even broader than that. So because of that, and the fact that there's no internet for healthcare, there's no sharing of information. Uh, there's no one spot to go get all your medical records. Every time you go to a doctor's office, you have to fill out the same form over and over again. Because of the lack of the internet, there's a lot of people that have sat in to replace what should be done by machines. So right now, um, it's really, it's really, um, you know, the routinizable and really routine things that a human does in a computer system um, is thing are things that machines have done, should have done from the beginning. And you know, in that regard, artificial intelligence is kind of getting its job back. You know, it's not taking the job. It's like, hey, really, a machine should be doing some of this uh, more mundane stuff. So there's a real big movement right now in healthcare to level up or scale up people. You know, don't have people doing things that machines should be doing. Instead, let let people focus on those things that are uniquely uh, suited for the complexities of a human brain. So everything from reading charts and diagnosing diseases to uh, helping find your insurance uh, eligibility. Those are all important and all things that are happening right now in healthcare. Yeah, that, that's an excellent overview you gave, Sean. And you are absolutely right that, you know, the challenge is where that they, everything was done in silos and then there was no focus or no thought of having an internet and to have the cumulative collective capability of having a healthcare ecosystem so that we can all do better, you know, in terms of access, in terms of efficiency and uh, affordability. So you're absolutely right that there are complex challenges and uh, what where we are going, what potential and what capability, what promise artificial intelligence gives us is just uh, amazing. And artificial intelligence in healthcare, uh, if we see it represents a collection of multiple technologies enabling machines to sense, to understand, to visualize, as you were just mentioning, act and learn so that they can perform administrative, diagnostic, therapeutic, and clinical healthcare functions. So what task have you seen artificial intelligence-based application taken over for healthcare so far? Um, so we focus in our company on, you know, we want to build this internet for healthcare. I mean, we want everything to be connected. And what we have said to ourselves is instead of creating another piece of software, because that seems to be everyone's approach, give, give healthcare another piece of software. But I don't think that's the answer. So what we've done is we've built um, basically robots that are able to log in to any piece of software that exists in healthcare. Uh, those robots have a brain, and that brain has an entity graph. So it knows who people are across multiple health systems. It understands that Sean is the same Sean at different hospitals, dentist's office, physician's office, and it can then transmit and collate data together um, and do things that are very specific to me. So we have armed kind of the healthcare industry with an ability to automate a lot of the functions uh, that humans do today. I'll give you a prime example, um, insurance eligibility. So when you go into a hospital, you have some kind of insurance, Medicaid, Medicare, a private payer in the United States. It's very you know, heterogeneous. There's lots of different options for who's going to pay for your health care. And the doctor is responsible or the caregiver is responsible to know who to bill. And that's a challenge in itself. Uh, there are 
automated solutions out there, but it all involves a human to some degree. And it all, even, even the automated solutions require invocation from a human. So what we're doing is saying, hey, all name of our artificial intelligence, Olive. So if you hear me re refer to Olive, uh, it's a, is a she that that is our artificial intelligence. So we have all of look at the schedule of the patients who are scheduled to come in and ahead of time before they actually come into the office, go find their insurance information on a portal online somewhere, wherever it exists, take that information, put it back in the electronic medical record system. So when a patient comes in, everything is ready and waiting. And there does, it doesn't require a team, an army of humans doing that task, which should be done by a machine. That's example one. Example two is th are things like prior authorization. So insurance companies a lot of times require that you get permission before doing a complex procedure. Right now, doctors, <clears throat> excuse me, doctors have to go get that permission. Uh, that means they have to wait on the phone, wait to get on, go on hold, send a fax, all the kind of you know Stone Age stuff, right? Um, Olive can go get that prior authorization by logging into the system, submitting it, looking up the relevant data, passing that. Uh, so it's a really game changer because you're, you now have somebody who should be spending their time with other humans uh, being able to do that instead of staring, staring at a machine. Um, you know, humans spend too much time staring at machines. That's a very, very good point you made. But see, if, if to have that capability, to have that kind of role that artificial intelligence uh, based application can play or the internet that you are developing or the uh, chatbot you are developing uh, could play it requires that the industry welcomes what is coming their way now e even if you know it can identify whether you know that any information is available online for the insurance uh, so that it's prepared and to get the approval there also needs to be capability or correspondence between the insurance companies and the uh, AI application or AI chatbot uh, that is working on it. So is the, are the insurance companies on board for something like this that because they also will need to uh, create some sort of interface or some sort of uh, capability by which these AI based uh, or the robots can go ahead and you know get the approvals and rather than having humans on that. So do you see that being welcomed by the insurance companies and the healthcare industry overall? So <clears throat> the, the really great thing about the way we think about AI is that we think about, we just want it to act exactly like a human. So the cool thing is, is that all of these mechanisms of information to pass between insurance companies and hospitals for humans has already been created. So there's a website where the hospital workers log in and they go pull the information from the insurance companies to make sure they have the most up-to-date insurance. There are already human networks, human communication networks. And what we're doing is we're just training our AI to use those currently existing human communication networks to interface. Now, in the future, it'd be those will be modified to be suited specifically for AI. But today we're saying let's not... Let's not ask for, beg for, or try to get any kind of system level access where it's machine to machine. Let's just ride the human, the well-worn path of human communications that already exists. Whether it's making a phone call, sending a fax, or, or logging into a website, we're just training our machines to do that. And then it, it so they have AI, they, they might not even know that they're talking to AI. They may not know that that person requesting the information through through the typical human channels is actually artificial intelligence. And I think that allows us to create financial benefits for our customers 
before we have to have the philosophical argument. So that makes sense. You are trying to use the current existing system without trying to have other partners modify all that. That makes sense. Now, AI in healthcare uses algorithms and software to estimate human cognition in the analysis of complex medical data. Now, in the coming years, as the AI-based systems or applications are fed more data and used more frequently, they will likely become the de facto standard in medicine. I mean, it's too early at this point, but we are going that uh, path. Now, to reach that point, we have to cross many hurdles. To begin with, it has to be accurate. The AI-based analysis or decisions that are being taken, it has to be very accurate. From your assessment, I mean, getting approvals and all that is one thing, but if you want to take a step further, how accurate are the AI-based healthcare applications that you have seen so far or you are trying to develop? Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's different ways to look at it, right? You can say, how is how accurate is it compared to a human? And then you could say, how accurate is it compared to the latest version? And, and the it's an easy argument when it comes to comparing the accuracy to a human. Unfortunately, humans make lots of mistakes um, because there's no... Um, there's no really standards or, or some, you know, everybody's different, right? And everybody's decision-making and subjectivity is different. Uh, a machine can have a global understanding of standards and can act globally so you know what you get every single time. Um, you know, when you go to one McDonald's, it's like another McDonald's, right? But that's because of we, they worked really hard to try to make it the same. But unfortunately, humans don't typically operate like that. They try to, um, you know, they have their own personality. So when it comes to com comparisons to humans, I think that AI will prove to be much more accurate. Uh, that won't last very long from a, as far as satiating what we want, which is perfection. So what we will end up doing is comparing the, this version of AI to the next version of AI. And that's where the, really the, the accuracy will come in. But I will say when what I have seen specifically in the computer vision world, it's absolutely amazing uh, the level of accuracy they're able to achieve. And it's not just accuracy because um, it, it's a it's a level of comfort that you're getting that you're not missing something. So it's the false negatives that are really, really, uh, you know, th those are painful in healthcare because if you're not if you're missing something, it could be devastating or or cause death. So I think it's really important that we have that comfort level, knowing that a machine maybe has your back when you're a physician. Uh, is a very is a very comforting thing for them, but uh, yeah, I think accuracy accuracy is important, um, and even more than and than accuracy of the final judgment or determination that's made, I think it comes into accuracy of the data that's that's starting that you're starting with. We we have too many humans ingesting information into systems. They are recording information. They're typing it by hand, and they're making mistakes that data are used, those data are used in determinations. And, you know, it's garbage in, garbage out. So I think even the things we do at the front end with AI to cause less, you know, mistakes when data is, is entered, then the outcome will be more accurate AI determinations based on that data. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. You're absolutely right about that, that what we feed in the data, in the form of data, that's what is going to be used by analysis, you know, for these AI. Uh, and if we don't have the accurate data, then we cannot expect the accuracy in the results that we get from the AI-based system. But So it's a very good point that you made. Now, with immense power to unleash improvements in 
cost, quality, access, and effectiveness, AI is exploding in popularity and functionality as we see across nations, so many new initiatives, so many new startups. Now growth in the artificial intelligence health market mm. is expected to reach billions of dollars in the coming years. Now, what areas of healthcare markets do you see exploding here in United States or even across our geographical boundaries because of advances in AI-based healthcare applications? So I think it really comes down to there's a there's two approaches really there's let's do research around deep learning and some of the more sophisticated sides of machine intelligence uh, to warrant very interesting clinical results that's one side of it but I don't think that's where the explosion happens um, you know I think that let, let's make an analogy to mainframe computers so mainframe computers were very powerful sophisticated pieces of equipment that sat in the enterprise to do something interesting you had to program on the mainframe and and people did really interesting technical things uh, but it wasn't until we really unveiled a less powerful less sophisticated piece of equipment called the personal computer that changed the world completely and it was because of access and the democratization of computing because you went from enterprising to having computing power to everyone having computing power and when everybody has computer power it changes the world in ways we can't imagine so I actually think the proliferation of AI may be the most important fundamental thing, even more than the advances in the science itself, is the proliferation of it, the democratization of the capability. So from my perspective, it is the, it's whatever goes the fastest into the market is probably going to have the biggest impact. And, and when I, what I think, and, and, and you know, I'm a little biased here because it's a lot of what we're doing, it's going to be the administrative task. It's going to be the, the immediate ROI, the low complexity, task that AI is going to do at scale that's going to change the the industry and the science forever yes you have you made a really excellent point there it is about it's all about the democratization of AI you know now everyone each and every individual across nations whoever has a desire they can learn that and they can you know develop systems they can you know make a difference wherever they want to make a difference across industries so that's an excellent point now you, what you said about the administrative task now that is also very important because healthcare today is facing tremendous fragmentation anybody in united states if you see who has visited emergency room or who had been hospitalized knows they cannot they don't receive just one bill for the you know services that were uh, given to them they receive bills from physician providers to the hospitals to you know many other service providers so it, this is it creates a lot of complexities and uh, there is so much uh, if you look at other aspects there is a massive problem of too much unnecessary care yeah. there is overuse and unnecessary test that cost the healthcare system billions of dollars invest you go to one specialist they will do all the tests you go to another specialist because they ask you to go to but they don't transfer all the results so now again they do all the tests there is so much wastage so how do we make healthcare system effective and how do we overcome these problems using ai because there is so much fragmentation there is so much duplication there is there are many many complex challenges we are facing yeah. Well, so I think this is the incredible impact AI can have. I mean, a lot of the healthcare systems in the United States are struggling financially to even stay alive. Um, so a lot of them are break even. There are the big institutions that everyone knows about, the more academic institutions, but that's a very small piece of the entire picture of healthcare in the United States. So what, what really impacts them is the ability to do more with less. And I think, you know, having an AI capability 
that reduces the amount of money you have to spend on the clerical, uh, you know, programmatic stuff and focus it on care, that's important. I think that you could shift a trillion dollars, a trillion dollars for where it's focused today in the administrative clerical fragmented world of healthcare to delivering better care, better science, better therapies, better clinical judgment. If we could shift a trillion dollars, imagine what we could do. And I think AI has the power to do that. Now, the other thing that's super interesting is access to data, right? So if you think about Google, Google has access to the world's websites. And with that powerful access, they've been able to bring all that data together, organize it in a way that we can digest and present it back to us. That's an incredible capability. And obviously, they've built an amazing company as a result of that capability. But all the data that sits in the enterprise in healthcare is locked away. Google doesn't have access to that. Google can't, you can't query this data. You can't query the data in the enterprise. It's immune to Google, right? So we haven't experienced that lovely thing that we experienced with Google in any of the enterprise systems. But if AI were logged in to every enterprise application across healthcare, you could effectively query anything. You could ask the AI to bring all the information that, I, that you, they see on Sean Lane across the entire industry from each separate database. That's a, that's a new search engine. That's a new internet. That's a new capability that we don't have today. And AI, because of the access that it will have, because there will be tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of AI workers that, are, that will be working in healthcare in the next, I would say, two years. Um, and if that happens, they now have access to systems and they could be asked programmatically and systematically to bring information together. So it's going to create that modern experience that we've all wanted and tried to expect out of healthcare. And it's going to eliminate the silos and fragmentation that will allow us to reshift that tr trillion dollars to focus on other things that are more important. That would be so amazing. I hope that we are able to do that. But now there are two aspects to these AI-based solutions. One is by which, you know, the hospitals or doctors, phys uh, physicians, offices, clinics, or, you know, other uh, healthcare organizations can use. Those are one solutions and one are which the consumers that can use it directly because pace of innovation in healthcare is rising rapidly. And we, we see so many great examples of AI solutions with potential applications and possible future uses that are so optimistic. However, these solutions will only revolutionize healthcare the way we would want it to be if they are available to the common man, individuals and consumers directly without barriers to their access or third party controlling its access. So what potential AI applications exist that everyone can use today? And uh, what, are, what are the solutions that are being in the process of being developed that, that would you know, help the common man you know, make their life much better, much more uh, effective because of that uh, solutions that exist? Yeah, that's a good question. There are a couple um, mobile applications. Well, there's several. There's several mobile applications that you can download as a consumer. Um, some are basically suggesting maybe uh, the diagnosis of what you may have if you give it your symptoms. That's kind of the most common uh, thread around AI and health and health-related uh, industry and healthcare in general. Um, there's also really interesting things that may recommend restaurants based on a certain diet or that recommends um, a exercise regimen or physical therapy based on you as a person and learning and, and what works. So there's a lot of really interesting consumer level applications that exist. 
Um, I think they are good now, but I think in a couple years they're going to be great. And I think they're going to be great because they're going to get data access. Right now, that's the unfortunate. The unfortunate thing is, are these consumer applications still don't have the access to the data? So as great as they may be designed and, and the great scientists behind them, um, until we really open the floodgates of data in healthcare, which I think AI will make happen, um, and you'll have an AI, you know, an AI system communicating with another AI system about data, passing it back and forth. I mean, imagine, you know, it's like Siri talking to Alexa, right? I mean, they can pass their information back and forth to each other. You know, imagine, you know, all of our AI talking to, you know, Amelia, another AI. Like, I think that will really unlock the data. And once the data gets unlocked, those mobile applications will become something you can't live without. Yes, very true. Now, you know, uh, there are already a lot of applications across nations that are trying to give that customer experience what they're looking for and in the form of cognitive health assistance or virtual you know assistance and these digital health companies they're trying to change that patient doctor interaction by creating these ai doctors now it seems that there is an ambitious long-term projects to build this next generation cognitive assistance with analytical reasoning capabilities and a very broad wide range of clinical knowledge it seems that in UK, there is this uh, application called uh, Babylon Ch AI chatbot, which, you know, they are in the process of uh, creating, a, it's getting a huge response and the huge investments are in that. And they are creating a sort of a, like what we have 911 number here in the United States. They will have a non-emergency 111 number. They are trying, I'm not sure if that's already in place, but there were discussions about uh, having so that sort of capability. So anyone who has some sort of, you know, question, they're having fever or some, you know, small minor headache or things like that, they don't have to call doctor's office. They can call this number and they can get all the answers or help that they need. So it would create a lot of, you know, room for uh, it, that the doctors and medical hospitals and doctor's offices, they are so overwhelmed with so much is happening. So they would get a relief because this non-emergency mm -hmm. care would you be diverted to these AI doctors. So that itself is such uh, an amazing, you know, achievement of AI at this point. And if, if we have something like this that is across nations globally, then we can sort of provide free basic healthcare to everyone. Because this yeah. lot of doctors visits, you know, to, or hospital emergency visits, a lot of them are for small, small, minor problems that these kind of AI doctors can solve. So basic healthcare could be provided free all across nations by these kind of developments. No, it's Babylon is, is fantastic, and the, the founder has a very clear vision of where he wants to take the company. Uh, it's an amazing product because it's very early and it's pioneering, right? So. They're, they're putting AI into the hands of, of actual people um, in a way that democratizes it, like we talked about earlier. So I really think it's the combination of the, the enterprise adopting AI and the consumer. And it's the confluence of those two things that changes everything. But you make an important point. And that, that point is things like Babylon will save billions of dollars, billions of dollars. It'll just rip it right out of the cost, right out of the system. And if that happens, that means we can effectively give healthcare to some degree to every single person who's, who has access to any kind of technology. That's, that's tremendous. Like, we're about to see a wave 
because of AI, like I, here, I think of humans are interesting, right? Because we, we scale based on tools. When we first got the wheel, we changed a lot and we created these networks and infrastructures based on the wheel. When we got fire, we changed everything. When we invented the printing press, it changed information. When we developed the internet, it changed information and technology in a way that was, that scaled us as humans. And we achieved much greater things every time this was done. AI will be the thing that scales us to the next level as a, as a human race. We will, all the moonshot stuff that people talk about, like occupying Mars or building a sustainable renewable energy source or providing healthcare to everyone or um, ending cancer, eradicating that, um, self-driving vehicle, all these things that we talk about moonshot wise, those will be achievable. Increasing life expectancy will all be achievable because of the next tool that we're developing and that tool is AI. So I'm super pumped about everything that's happening in the space um, and Babylon's a great example. Yes, it is. And uh, definitely there are a lot of other advances happening uh, in other countries. For example, in China, there is a, a company, I think iCarbonX, it, is, it has got huge funding, millions and millions, I think 600 or 700 million in funding that they've already got. And what they are trying to do is digitize everyone's health information. So. Uh, they are trying to develop algorithms to analyze the digital data of each and every human being. In, I mean, I, uh, their focus is right now China with the intention of recommending tailored wellness programs, food choices and pro prescription medicines. So they they are not just stopping at, you know, answering why you may be having headache or, you know, are you taking your pills? But they're also going towards wellness. They're telling their, you know, uh, they're trying to create a digital you sort of like uh, Contain right. samples like they are taking saliva, protein samples, DNA analysis. So they, I mean, these sort kind of developments are happening all across nations. We also have companies here who are trying to go towards that in silo. For example, they they, they are trying to do the DNA analysis of individuals and then tell them, you know, what kind of uh, uh, nutritional program they should be on, what kind of vitamins they need to take if they're not getting their enough from their food and what how they can keep themselves healthy. Because if you look at it, today's healthcare is more like disease care. There is not much focus on health. So right. we have to go back and, you know, actually do what it uh, is required to make it a healthcare. So these, these, all these uh, different variables, all these different aspects are necessary that how should we live every day? What food to eat, what not to eat? Because there is so much toxins in our air, water and uh, food and then how we prevent that uh, from entering our system or how we can, you know, get rid of those toxins from our system. There are a lot of different variables. So this organization, what it's doing, it's really amazing. And if these kind of initiatives go global, then we are going to be able to prevent a lot of diseases from actually happening. That would itself be transformation because if we don't have the onset of disease, if we don't allow those genes that could express because if we keep the body healthy and if the body is healthy, then the infections also would not happen that much. So we will be able to prevent not only uh, chronic uh, non-communicable diseases, but also communicable diseases because we won't allow them. The body is healthy. A lot of things would not happen. So these kind of initiatives are really very welcoming and they could fundamentally transform the way we do healthcare today. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. You know, I think it's interesting, too, if you look at the countries that are making a lot of advances and, you know, the regulatory environment in those countries and the, the 
the risk profile of those countries compared to the United States. And I wonder, you know, it's interesting when you look at where innovation will occur the most in these spaces. And I see things like what's happening in China, like you've described, and I see an appetite for risk management more. I mean, I'll play into the, um, you know, what you focus on. And, and I think it's huge because they're, they're now achieving things and will have the capability to achieve things that we may not be ready for in the United States from a risk perspective and from an industry regulation perspective. So I think that we have a lot to learn on that side and we will have the benefit of learning from a lot of the projects around the world. Obviously this is a global effort and a global problem and I think it's being, it's being solved with global solutions. But, and as the United States looks at it and as other countries look at it, really need to take a, take a good look at what these countries are doing that have decided to kind of make advances that we may be uncomfortable with here. And we'll see that that will be the new standard. So I think it's really interesting to look in the other countries and see what they're doing, for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Because see, the brain power is not just here in the United States or in Europe or you know some countries. Because it is everywhere. There are smart, intelligent people everywhere who are determined to make their nation better, to make their uh, citizens' life better. So we we all have to look at advances happening all across nation because, like you said, this is not a local problem. This is a global problem, and we want to make sure that everyone across uh, nations, the humanity, every human being gets the best possible treatment, best possible uh, way of living. And, but to achieve all that, I mean, advances are happening, technology developments are happening. Uh, there are a lot of startups, a lot of initiatives. Everyone is trying to do what is good for their nation or what is good for the people you know, in that nation. But to be able to achieve all that, there are a lot of silos that needs to be broken. There are a lot of challenges that needs to be overcome. And first and foremost is that the healthcare organizations needs to be ready for these AI-based advances. And then they need to make sure that their governance operating models and everything is, you know, is ready, that they have a uh, AI smart ready workforce, that the organizational changes are happening the way it should be happening. And that uh, the regulators are not trying to be a barrier to these advances. And then they are actually, you know, making the path for these AI-based system more effective so it doesn't matter you know where the application has developed or who created a solution across nation but that we welcome those solutions so that we can create what is necessary to overcome these huge you know humongous problems that we face in healthcare but uh, that is going to take so much effort and i'm not sure if you'll be able to overcome those kind of challenges at this point yeah i think it's promising i think uh you know, one of my favorite quotes is from Bill Gates, and he said, we will probably overestimate what we'll do in two years, but we'll certainly underestimate what we can do in 10. So I think that that's a, you know, it's probably true in this case, too. Um, we have to push forward and we have to be, you know, we have to be not satisfied with what we can accomplish in two. But I think that we, as a, as a global force, are really have the appetite to do something big with AI to affect healthcare. I think we know we have to. No other way. The costs are too high. There's no other way to democratize, to truly give healthcare to every human being. There's no way to do it unless we come up with these, these title shifts. And I think these shifts like AI will allow that to happen. Yes, no, absolutely. And uh, as we have been talking that not all these applications of medical AI will be for the doctors or the hospitals or the insurance companies. A lot of the growth will be helping people manage their own health as we just talked about it. Uh, but the challenge is that uh, 
will AI be able to achieve that effectively? And what will be the nature of partnerships, consumer-focused partnerships that would be necessary? Because even if we develop application that we can, you know, directly uh, commercialize or you know promote to the uh, consumers, directly individuals, common men. That who is going to be able to do that? Are insurance company going to do that? Because if it's then only their uh, providers and their pool of you know people who are insured will be able to get that access, or the governments will be able to do that. Because if it's governments that and they provide it free, then everyone will be able to get that uh, uh, benefit and access. Or you know, is there going to be a uh, uh, some sort of uh, global organization that we need to create so that every nation, every human being across nations uh, can get that free access, uh, free basic healthcare. So there are a lot of uh, complex challenges that we will have to uh, overcome and we'll have to come up with answers. But the rapid commercialization of machine learning and big data, uh, no doubt is that it is helping bring AI to the forefront of healthcare and the life sciences. And it's set to change how the industry diagnoses and treats diseases mm -hmm. and what do you see the market impact will be who will be the winners and losers if we are not able to come together to solve this global problem because the competition is always going to be there whether we like it or not and there are some you know this is not as simple as saying that let's give this you know free benefit free to everyone across nations there are going to be a lot of holders because there is so much at stake there is so much money that's involved you know here the current system there are so many beneficiaries to that and they are not going to let it go that easily to uh, just you know let the technology take over and they be the losers so how uh, who will be the winners and losers and how will we be able to manage those complex challenges so i think with you know with healthcare like most innovations and changes in the world the the, the number one communication tool wasn't built by the phone company right that exists today the you know facebook may be that you know or gmail or something like that but it's not, definitely not at and i mean the the thing is as you look at who's going to be the winners and losers. I think the winners are probably going to be companies that you probably wouldn't even think about. And I think companies are going to end up creating a marketplace around healthy people. And what I mean by that is I think, I think people are going to have access to these AI powered tools similar to that of a Babylon. I think everybody's going to have access. I think it's going to be free. And I think it's going to be it's going to be paid for by wellness, and I think it's going to be paid for by those people who are interested in wellness. Uh, companies that want to have healthy employees, companies that want to sell things to people uh, to make, you know, running shoes or some kind of, you know, whatever it is. I think those private companies will end up paying for this because of because they're part of a person's life now, and that they need the attention of that person. If they have the attention of that person, they're going to pay a lot of money for it. So I think it'll actually be subsidized that way. I don't see the traditional model of you know, um, people paying doctors or insurance companies paying doctors, government paying insurance companies. I don't think that's scalable. I think that we've already hit our ceiling on it and, and realizing that this is, this is not working. So I think that AI gives us an opportunity to really bring in other players. I think that the private market has to succeed in order for innovation to really occur. But I don't, that doesn't mean that people won't get it for free. They'll probably pay for it as much as they pay for Facebook, which is nothing. And I think they'll have that capability, and I think that people will get healthier. As a result, the traditional healthcare systems will, well, I'd say the volume will go down. The volume will go down tremendously in traditional healthcare systems, and but it'll cost less as a result. 
So I th- like I said, I think there's a trillion dollars that can be shaved out of the United States healthcare system alone. I believe that globally, it's many trillions of dollars that can be shaped, shaved out of healthcare with AI. Um, and I think the people, the people who are going to lose are the people who, who profit off of the fragmentation that occurs today. And I think the people who are going to succeed are those who are making people healthier and have better and, and really think about wellness. Yes, yes, of course. Now let's talk about your organization, Crosschecks. What role Crosschecks plays in this uh, huge healthcare automation ecosystem that is developing? Well, thanks, sir. I mean, it's, it's really the internet that we think about. You know, when I first, five years ago, I started this company and it was because I was looking at, so I'm an intelligence officer by training. I worked at NSA for a long time. I've uh, been mostly focused in security and technology. Um, but when I looked at healthcare, uh, my, my hometown, which is a small rural town in Ohio, uh, asked to me to help them out with the prescription drug abuse problem. So I wanted to look at their technology and data specifically, and I just saw this huge fragmentation in healthcare. There wasn't an internet. There were intranets. There were you know enterprise systems that don't talk to each other, hospital systems that don't talk to each other, doctors that don't talk to each other. It's a really big problem. Um, and I think the internet has proven to be a force for innovation, a force for changing everything. So if we could apply the internet to healthcare, then we could imagine there would be crazy, amazing changes that would occur. So I thought, hey, if I can bring the internet to healthcare, then it would be a great way to have, to have changes. The first thing we did as a company is the first five years was we created a graph database of individuals so that they could all have one unique ID. This is kind of like a master routing table. And the routing table is like who a person is and where they've gone to the doctor and where they have records, where do those records exist. So we built this routing table. And then the next step was to build something to you that uses that routing table. That's when we really got into AI. Um, we created Olive as an employee that would work in any health system across the country. Um, Olive logs into all the systems like, in, like a human would, but she completes a lot of those tasks that today humans do like insurance eligibility, prior authorization, scheduling, patient engagement, things that, that are very people intensive. So all of logs in and does this, but she's backed with the brain of that graph, that routing table. So she knows where people have gone. She knows where they are. She knows where the data is and she can go get it. So really we're just putting nodes on the network at this point. You know, if all of starts working in a hospital, she might get access to three pieces of software. We now have global access uh, and artificial intelligence to this data. This is huge. So the, the internet's really coming together. Uh, you know, right now we're in the building routers. We built the route, routing table for four years. Now we're building routers in the form of AI. Um, but what will happen is a modern experience. So what we want to end up with is a patient, you know, maybe even part of, uh, you know, an uh, interaction with an AI bot, let's say Olive, uh, let's say she could, you know, a patient texts Olive and says, Hey, I, I chipped my tooth, uh, you know, I'm in Wisconsin and uh, you know, what can I do? And all of would be able to say, well, here are the three doctor, three, three dentists in your area that are covered by your insurance. Um, in fact, she's remember she's logged into their systems. So she says, here's the open time, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, which one would you like? Person says, I'll take 10 o'clock. She's like, great. I scheduled the appointment with you at this dentist. And I, they now have your insurance information, all of your dental health history, and everything, every other relevant medical history. So now you just walk in and you take the appointment. It's a modern experience that we expect, 
it's really it's really been a lot of work to build to that. So, and it's really combination combination of network building a network, and then putting AI on top of that network. So that's what we do. We're trying to build the internet. Um, Olive is um, currently uh, employed at a lot of different health systems across the country and growing rapidly. So the more the more times she gets employed, the more nodes we have on the network, and the bigger that internet grows. That is so amazing. That is absolutely amazing. So how do you plan to have each and every uh, doctor or doctor's office or insurance company or everyone you know to be on on that uh, on it, right? Yeah. Yes. How, how do you plan to get that? So today we do, you know, kind of outbound sales. So we just we contact the hospitals and sell them our product. Um, but tomorrow, there's a couple of things. One is it doesn't necessarily have to always be all of. Like I expect there will be four or five hundred more, um, as long as we know that the, the that these AI implementations need to interface with each other. And I don't mean APIs. I don't even want to do APIs. I just mean they need to be able to talk to each other, just like humans do, just maybe faster. Um, so you know, think about it. Like that example I gave you with the three dentist office in Wisconsin. Olive is not going to store all the data for all the dentist office. She's just going to ask. ask Alexa, what are the top three dentist office in this area? So it, it, that's a kind of a simplifying that, but the reality is the AI needs to know how to talk to each other and it doesn't have to be an API. It can be just talking to each other. Um, it, using computer vision, most likely is how that'll happen. So anyway, my point is there's going to be more than just all of them, but the other side is I think that we want to get to a place where people can pretty much download and install uh, AI on their own off straight from the internet. So we want to get to a place where you could literally install all of as a worker, as an employee um, in your company without having a cross-check salesperson there, without having a cross-checks engineer be involved. Uh, we're very close to that point. We have a, we have a platform that we've built called Mimic. Mimic allows you to essentially create a robot. So you could create it, you know, you could be in, uh, you know, a hospital and, in Bangladesh and you could create a robot and then that data the exhaust from what that robot does joins a global brain and we apply machine learning and neural nets on top of it so it's a really cool way to get started with AI very easily and very quickly and I think once we really go with that from a marketing perspective the numbers will start adding up very quickly um, so that, that that's what that's kind of the plan um, and you know every Everything is a is a big number, right? But uh, we we call our AI Olive because we know we need you know all of the access in order for it to work the way we want it to. That makes sense. No, but you are right about that. But at some point, there will be a need for consolidation and standardization. I mean, as you see, there are like hundreds and thousands of uh, applications that are being developed, and so many uh, would be uh, do, giving results, the similar results or some similar features, similar you know functionalities. So we will have to uh, address at some point standardization, consolidation, and also some point we'll have to talk about security. While we won't have enough time today on in this session to talk about the security of these uh, different applications, but there will be a need to you know ensure that. Uh, all these applications are secure because there is so much uh, 
health records, so much health data that is at risk. And, you know, there are hackers who are live, making a living out of, you know, hacking all this uh, healthcare data. And uh, we'll have to make sure that uh, they are all secure. But there's another, uh, you, when you were talking about your uh, cross-checks journey, you mentioned an important point about the prescription overuse. So do you see a possibility that using AI, you will be able to, or organizations like yours, will be able to come to some sort of uh, solution by which we'll be able to prevent this kind of abuse uh, and use because uh, i i read somewhere that in europe uh, because all all this data is getting uh, digital that they they have developed some ai application which is able to identify the gaps and problems by which there are you know some errors made or by which uh, uh, you know the there is a more of hospitalization happening or uh, overstay happening a lot of you know different challenges these ai application is able to identify because all the data is now you know digitized and they are uh, the ai application is able to access that so do you see that we we can create some sort of ai solution by which we can uh, prevent this prescription uh, abuse or overuse yeah absolutely i mean they you know one of the biggest challenges is the lack of the internet right so like the if you're a doc you you may not know that the patient that you're prescribing an opioid to right now tried to get opioids 30 minutes ago at a different emergency room like you may never know that and, and in fact today you don't because there's nothing that collects that there's only things that collect what has been prescribed but it's even days later so it is in that case it's still not good enough so to know that, hey, this patient was just in an emergency room down the street 30 minutes ago trying to get opioids, uh, having that knowledge is important. But uh, yeah, I think that AI is going to play a large role because AI will have global awareness. Global awareness is a concept of, I know who a person, place, and thing is across all systems, individually, not like a concept of the person, like literally who that person is. So they'll know this is the doc, this is a person, this is a drug. And they'll know that in all contexts across all systems, which gives them the ability to know this person was seeking this drug from this doctor across in this system and this system and this system. So with that knowledge and just imparting that knowledge at the right time could be enough. It, it could be enough for a doctor to say, whoa, 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 I'm going to make a different decision. But even more so than that, I think AI will be able to look at what is working and what is not and be able to understand, okay, these drugs were prescribed to these people for these cases. These people in these cases are now taking, uh, you know, methadone or some kind of clinical assisted treatment, medication assisted treatment for drug addiction and see the kind of the, the long cycle of, of a person's life, you know, in a pattern of how that happened and then start to see where the anomalies were. Where did, where did the pattern differ with a better outcome? And once it starts to detect that, it can start to weave that back into the workflow. So we may not even know the right pattern or life cycle for a person who was effectively given opioids, got off of them and lived a normal life. But the AI will because it'll have this concept of global, global awareness. It'll know exactly the patterns that we should be tracking towards and exactly the ones we shouldn't. It, it, it just will take some time to train the system and allow the system, you know, enough, enough kind of horizontal and vertical data right? Horizontal in time and vertical in depth. And that'll allow our AI to make changes to workflow and implementation and treatments that we probably can't predict right now. 
very true. Very, very true. Now, what would you like to tell our global viewers and listeners about the coming tomorrow of the AI-driven healthcare transformation and to all those innovators across nations who we, who are just trying to get into this sector to make a difference, to do something for the humanity? Because they have so many ideas. There are so many young people out there who are really determined and driven to make a difference because they are not driven by money. A lot, lot of young people are not driven by money. They are driven by solving the problems sure. to make this uh, human, human species, you know, or humans live a better life to have a, a world which is, you know, safe and secure and sustainable. So how, what would you like to tell them? How should they move forward if they want to make a difference in this healthcare ecosystem that is having so many complex challenges and where should they put more efforts? Well, if this farm boy from Ohio can, you know, be selling artificial intelligence, uh, probably the, the largest, you know, artificial intelligence presence in healthcare uh, than anybody can. And the thing is, like, the tools that exist today are incredible. If you're a developer, you're an engineer, uh, you know, TensorFlow, Tesseract, Google AI, Spark MLlib, all of these things are amazing. And, like, there, there's so much capability in natural language processing, computer vision, um, I mean, you could you could stand up a neural net tomorrow very easily if you'd like. It, so these things are the access is there, the data, you know, the, the 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 tools are there. Now, here's the thing: it's really tough to sell into the healthcare market. So you know, what I would say is kind of find a partner. And I and I think here's the here's the key. The key is the future is changing fast in healthcare. Very soon, there will be platforms on which to develop. Those platforms will like just like the iPhone is a platform. The, there will be the same level of access into healthcare for innovative change. So even though it may seem stodgy today and it may seem bureaucratic and hard to get into, that is changing. It will change. There will be a platform to people for people to disrupt. You know, I want the developer in their basement, in their dorm room, in their garage to develop something for healthcare in AI that changes the world, that changes all of healthcare. And I think that's going to be possible because the infrastructure is being built right now. Um, so we're excited about that infrastructure. Now here's where you can really make a difference. You talked about standards, JC, and you talked about the things that need to be developed. You know, in, in your typical software, you know, building a software application, you know, if it's web-based, you probably are familiar with jQuery. jQuery is like a basic, you know, common library of function or of um, different designs and buttons and different elements that you can put into your software. There needs to be a jQuery for AI. Like there needs to be a there needs to be these libraries. There needs to be tool sets for developers. So it's another interesting place to go. Somebody's going to create standards for communication from AI to AI. It's not going to be like anything we've ever seen. You know, it may be vision based, you know, it may be interesting. You know, someone's going to figure these things out. Uh, might as well be you. You know, think about the future, how these 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 particular AI implementations are going to communicate with each other and build the standard. We need people who are going to build, who are going to innovate on this. So it's a great place to make a huge impact because, you know, this is this is affecting people's lives. You know, this is this is giving somebody three more weeks so they can see their kid graduate or see their, you know, daughter get married. This, this is real stuff. 
And if you can nerd out on AI and make an impact like that, then why would you want to do anything different, right? So I mean, that's what I, that's what I love about it. So I encourage anyone who wants to make an impact to get involved now. And everybody is seeking out people with passion and enthusiasm. So you'll be, you will be, um, you'll be a hot asset if you can actually find your way to make an impact. Absolutely, absolutely, Sean. And there is, uh, this is uh, no longer a world where we can live in silos. This is a collective effort. We need collective intelligence from all across nations to solve big problems like healthcare. And uh, you're absolutely right that, you know, if you can do it, I can do it, anyone can do it. This is, you know, not about where you study or where you go to college or uh, where you live or, you know, what part of the world, you know, what kind of support system you have. If you have ideas, if you know how to solve a problem, then, you know, this is the right time for you. So thank you so much, Sean, for participating in Risk Roundup today. And we appreciate your thoughtful insight on artificial intelligence for healthcare. And our global viewers and listeners would benefit tremendously from the information you provided on the emerging applications of AI, what Crosstex is trying to do, and what role it would likely play in the coming years. So even if a single individual or entity across nations can come up with an idea to innovate and develop any AI solution to advance the healthcare based on the understanding they received from this discussion we had today, this Risk Roundup Dialogue has been of service, and we thank you for that. Thank you, Jesse. Wonderful. So while the artificial intelligence technology advances could make healthcare more affordable, accessible, and effective as we know it, it will also likely bring complex security challenges, industry acceptance challenges, conflict, other conflicts, and other you know, complex challenges. Risk groups, cybersecurity, geosecurity, and space security risk research centers are created for these very reasons to identify, evaluate, and manage the risk-facing NGIOA and CGS, that means nations, its government, industries, organizations, and academia in cyberspace, geospace, and space. We at Risk Group believe that risk management, security, and peace, they work together hand in hand. Though security is related to management of threats and peace to the management of conflict, risk management is related to management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict. It is not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two. All three concepts fit into each other. We believe that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain until it is secure for everyone across nations. Tradition becomes our security. So if we build a culture of managing risk effectively, it will lead us to security and security will lead us to peace. Let's manage the existing and emerging risk together. For more information on the risk roundups, to watch the risk roundup videos or hear the risk roundup podcast, please go to riskgroupllc.com and do not forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jayashree Pandya, host of Risk Roundup, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.